Hallelujah. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Noon Prayer. This is Noon Prayer 13, maybe. We had a little bit of interruption on it last week because of snow. Uh, Miss Patty, I heard you did a great job, so thank you. I was out of town at some meetings, and I couldn't watch while you were live, but I heard you did awesome. So we just welcome you to Noon Prayer. And uh, before we even jump in, I want us to turn to a scripture. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. So now we are on approximately day 21-ish, yeah, 21 of 40 days of prayer and fasting. And uh, glory to God, three weeks, Amen. three weeks of prayer and fasting. Y'all are doing awesome. And uh, y'all are doing awesome. Glory to God. We just welcome everybody that's here. Thank y'all so much for being here. It is important to be here physically, but we also know that people have jobs. You know, we're aware of that. And if you can only join us online, we are so excited to have you there as well. And we just welcome you to it. Um, in this fast, you know, going 40 days of prayer and fasting, we talked about it yesterday. I looked around. I didn't see anybody that had passed away from fasting. Um, you know, most of us carry enough, uh, enough extra energy, you know, in the midsection to last for a while anyway. I know I was. And uh, anyway, we're... It's not as difficult as what we make it out to be in our heads a lot of time. But there is something that I want to tell you today. Now is the time. We're going into the latter half. You're halfway through, over halfway through, glory to God. And uh, have you been receiving from this? Yep. Yeah, I have. Man, it's been awesome. God's been pouring out his stuff. I know that he's been blessing people. We had three testimonies of healing and, and miracles and just provision yesterday at the service and of just the things that God's doing in the last two weeks, you know. And so right now we're into that place where it's like, hey, I'm halfway through. Have you ever heard uh, have you ever heard the uh, statement that says pride goes before fall? Yeah. Right. Have you ever heard uh, a situation where it says uh, one of the one of the biggest times that you need to be aware of what the devil will try? is right after you've had a big success, right? And the reason is because we have a big success and as much as we think we know it's God, subconsciously, if we don't have our heart and our mind completely renewed, who gets the credit for it subconscious? We give ourselves credit for it a lot of times, even though we know God's the one who gives us every perfect gift and he's the one who sees us through. What we'll do a lot of times is be like, look, I did that. I fasted. For 21 days. I was in prayer for 21 days. Not realizing that the strength of God is what gave you the ability to do all of it. His grace is what gives us the ability to, you know, breathe. You know, just be here. His grace does that. But a lot of times when we get through, we have a couple of things going on. One can be that. Hey, I've done 20, you know, 21 days of prayer and fasting. Glory to God. And we're saying glory to God, but on our subconscious is going, you did good. And our flesh is wanting to say, good job, Brian. Good job, you. That's a good job. That's what your flesh will do. You have to know your flesh will do that. And the devil, if he can help say the same thing, he will say that. So when we recognize that, we ought to say, as soon as we hear good job to ourselves, as soon as we hear that, we ought to say, 
Praise God, because I couldn't do it without him. And make sure we take every thought captive. But here's the other thing. When we move into that place where we've done something good, have you ever, um, have you ever had a challenge in your life? All right. Uh, come here, Patty, real quick. I'll show you this. All right. So I just want you to push against my hand. So if I'm having to put force. She's pushing on me. She's putting pressure on me now. Right now. What happens when I get the challenge removed? So remove. All right. See, when I get the challenge removed, I'm still. And when I do that, what happens when that challenge removes? I go, oh, good. Whoo. Good job. But what happened if I turned my back on the challenge all of a sudden and I have a true enemy? Yeah, go ahead. So now I'm now I get pushed to where I never wanted to in the first place. See, I was resisting. I was resisting going backwards. But if I if I all of a sudden the challenge removes because I feel like I've accomplished something remove. And then I'm like, oh, good. Whoo. Well, then. Do you think the enemy is going to stop or your flesh is going to stop having its nature to be sinful? No, it's going to come. So it's like I dropped my guard because I had a success. And then what happens? Come all of a sudden. And now I'm not resisting because I've dropped my guard on that. And it doesn't mean that we have to be fearful. Thank you. It doesn't mean that we have to be fearful. It just means understand that just because you've had a success... This is what I'm getting at. Now, right now, is the time to be more diligent than ever. If you be more diligent to ever than ever, if you get relief from that, now's the time not to drop our guard. Uh, go to the big shot, uh, the big uh, wide shot here. Now's not the time to drop our guard. Now is the time. Oh, our, we don't have any resistance for the second. Now we need to put even more. Whoo, I about slid. Yeah. But I didn't know I could do that. That's awesome. So anyway, all right, we can go back to the close up. Anyway, now's not the time to say, oh, good, I don't have to exert energy. Now's the time to press in, to push in even more. So you've done a good job getting to this point. But now let's knock it out of the park, right? Let's knock it out of the park with the prayer and fasting. And let me read you this verse. It is uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. It says, and without faith... It is impossible to please him. In Romans, it says a lack of faith is sin. But it says without faith, it's impossible to please him. And listen to this. For he who comes to God, are we supposed to be going to God? Yep. Then if we're going to, then we need to do this. Must believe that he is. And, and I'll just say, what does that mean? And when it says he is, I believe personally, this is a reference to where he said, I am that I am. In other words, he is everything that we need him to be. So the first thing I need to do is believe that he is the character and nature of I am for everything in my life. He's Jehovah Rapha. I am healing, right? He's, he's Jehovah Sidkenu. He's, he's, he is, I am your righteousness. He's everything. He's my shield. He's my strength. He's my shepherd. And so the first thing I must do is I must believe that he is everything that he promised to be. He is his character. That's how I please him. And the second thing is that he, I must believe 
If I'm going to please God, I must believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, in the New American Standard, it says a rewarder of them that seek him. In the King James, it says diligently seek him, right? And that means, uh, see, they both mean the same thing, even though one doesn't have diligently in them. If I'm going to seek him properly, wouldn't that be diligent, right? So it's a lot of times like we, we have, you know, definitive words in our sentences today. But if I believe something, I should just be a believer like 100% of the time, not sometime. If I seek him, that should be 100% of the time. Diligent, right? Because I'm doing all things as unto the Lord. So anyway, we have to know that, all right, now we've made it through this 21 days and now I'm going to diligently seek him. And what does that scripture right there say? Number one, I will please God. Number two, he will reward me for my diligence in seeking him. So right now, uh, we may feel like we just accomplished something. Watch the flesh saying, oh, good job, good job. But also watch that when you feel that breakthrough, that now's the time that you apply it even more, right? Now's the time when you really, really uh, push back and you go into the Lord and knowing that God is a rewarder. Remember the first time that I did that uh, extended fast, I went through, I heard from him really strong on the second day. And then for the rest of the 38 days, honestly, it was like I was talking to the wall. I felt nothing. I saw nothing. I, 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 I mean, literally in the middle of it, I was like, you, know, you realize it feels like you're not even here. That's the way I felt. Now, did I know something else? Yes, I did. And then when I got to the end of it, see, we're not led by feelings that and I think what he was doing was he was causing me to engage my faith. He was helping me to see that even though you're fasting, a lot of times we think he's just going to meet us because we're fasting. And so we'll just kind of drop our faith and whatever happens, happens. He because I wasn't feeling him like that, that caused me to engage him by faith. Well, what happens when the fast ends? And I'm in that period of time. I can let stuff just happen to me or I can apply the same faith that I was doing during that fast when I was expecting him. I can expect to see him, to hear him, to feel him, to see his work in my life and apply faith after the fast too. So it taught me something. It showed me something on a little bit different level than I'd seen before. In other words, but during that fast, I felt nothing. But then I got to the end. He had rewarded my seeking. It was obvious that things had changed. It is. It was obvious that stuff of the world that was hanging on me had broke off. It was obvious that those chains and those bonds, they had been loosed. And I had some freedom now that I did not have before. He is a rewarder and he will reward you the same way he did it to me. Why? Because that's who he is. All right. So. This is a great thing that we need to see. And we, know, we don't want to just go after the reward only. We want to go after pleasing him. It, it goes hand in hand. I don't even want to say it's 50% pleasing him and 50% reward. It's not really like that. It's more like this. It's 100% pleasing him and 100% reward. It's really all of both. That's, it's just a part of it. It's, it's, not, you know, it's not like 50% of my effort goes towards pleasing him and 50% goes towards 
towards receiving. But you know, a lot of people, they don't want to receive and they don't believe that God is a rewarder. He is a rewarder. And this is part of the reason why he says this is because he wants us to set our eyes on the prize. And while you're fasting, while you're praying and fasting, we shouldn't just be thinking about how much we're not eating. We should be setting our eyes on the reward of a God who diligently will reward us as we diligently seek him. Amen. We should. He says, run for run to win. Remember, we covered that scripture the other day. So today, uh, as we get into this, before we even start on humility, we're going to talk on humility. Last week we talked about hunger. This week or a couple of weeks ago, we talked about hunger. Uh, now we're going to talk about some humility and As we go into that, let's remember our diligence in this. Now's the time really to press the devil back. I mean, just press him out of our lives, throw him down, throw him under our feet. Now is the time that we diligently go after him. Amen. All right. So, Father, we just thank you so much for this day. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. We just enter into those gates with thanksgiving. Glory to God. And the courts would praise. Father, we just love you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We praise you and we worship you. We celebrate you today, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, we praise you and we worship you. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Father, for letting us partner with you during this uh, time of prayer and fasting. Thank you, Lord, for letting us approach you and be around you and you to be our God and for us to be your people and for us to take part in what you're doing. What an honor. What an honor honor, Lord. And today as we pray about humility, Lord, Lord, just open up this word to us. Let us see what you really want in this word. And Lord, let us move into that agreement as we pray it out in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So uh, you can go ahead and turn to uh, James chapter four and verse six. And um, one of the things that we, uh, one of the things that's important, as I went into those extended fasts before, I, the Lord, I would say almost every day for a while, he said two words to me, hunger and humility. You know, and that's why we went into hunger uh, last, a couple of weeks ago, was because we've got to be hungry. You're not going to see the things of God if you're not hungry for them. He says, those that hunger and thirst shall be filled, shall be satisfied, shall be overflowing, right? Not those that are satisfied already, those that hunger, right? And he says, the thirsty soul and the hungry, the hungry heart, he will, he will give to, he will fill up, right? That's what he says. So we want to get to the place of hunger. I would say that in America, our, one of our biggest issues is that we're not hungry, um, truthfully. And part of the reason why we're not hungry is like physically we're not hungry. We're a wealthy nation. Uh, a lot of people don't think that we are and they just haven't seen and traveled enough. They, their reality has become only in their little bubble and they don't realize just how wealthy we are. Um, you know, I don't remember the last time in America I saw somebody or heard of somebody starving. 
right? I don't remember that. I can't even think of a time that that's happened. That right there goes to show, I'm not saying that it doesn't happen. I'm just saying that I can't remember the last time I heard about something like that. It shows the wealth of our nation more than what we think. And we need to really think outside of that bubble. And we need to understand uh, that even if we have, I've found that the challenges of faith, uh, to, the challenges to put down the flesh and, and go into faith, are, are, it's a bigger challenge when you have things than when you don't. Used to, I thought the harder place of faith was when you didn't have anything. But all you got to, what happens is you have a natural motivator to go after God when you're at the bottom. (laughs) You have a natural motivator to start seeking God. Why? Because you're hungry to change things. But when you start having your needs met, right? You don't have that natural motivator when you have money to go buy aspirin or you have money to buy your food or you have money, you know, you have resources, you know, you have a car, you have whatever. You're you don't have that natural motivator the same as when you're, you know, poor or lacking in some area. Right. And and so I've found that it's actually harder to maintain faith when you do have. And that is the problem that America, our society, faces. But which one is stronger, the one who remains hungry only when they need lack or the one who remains hungry in the lack and when they have something, hungry for the things of God, right? It reminds me of what Jesus said when Thomas, when Thomas came in and he said, he said, well, if I touch his hands, you know, and, and see him and touch his hands, then I'll believe. And he, and he, he didn't say that Thomas was uh, horrible. It's like, but he said, you're more blessed. Blessed are those who believe without seeing, right? In other words, they carried a belief even when it wasn't right in front of them. It's the same principle here is they carried a hunger even when they didn't need more stuff for themselves personally. Right. They carried that hunger. It's the same principle. It's easy, uh, in a sense, to go after God when we have lack. But when we don't have lack. So I've found that in what the Holy Spirit has really driven me to is as we continue, because what happens when you hunger after God, when you have lack? Those who hunger shall be filled. So that lack starts to go away. So all you're doing is moving up to the place where you're not in lack anymore, where you have sufficiency, where you have that. But should our hunger go down as our lack goes up? No, no, not at all. We need more. This is more of a hunger message than it is a humility message so far. But but it is humility, too, because we're saying, Lord, even though I have my needs met, I humble myself to realize I can't do this without you. You know, they go hand in hand, hunger and humility. So anyway, I've really found the Holy Spirit saying you need to focus talking to me. You need to focus, Brian, on staying hungry, no matter how overflowing your life is, because as you hunger after me, I'll give you more. Well, what does that mean? That means your life's just going to heap blessings. There's going to be a pile of blessings and they're going to just be growing. That's 
What this word shows all over the place is time after time, it shows that these blessings will just keep going. You know, part of what Nicole and I are walking in is just a, a continuity of 15 or 20 years almost of going after God. That's all. Because in the year 2000, that's when we as adults really started going after him, right? So for 18 years now, we've just gone after him. And did we get it all right? No, not even close. Not even close. <laughs> Missed it plenty. But what we did was we kept upward motion and we tried to stay as continuous as possible. And so what happens? You learn more and more things to get rid of and the blessings of God just keep on going. Well, in these last few years, as the blessings have started to pour out more and more, and we're not where we need to be in blessing, not by a long, long shot, but we, it's better than it used to be. I can promise you that. And, and so as we do that and we keep going, I found that my hunger went boop, 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 boom. You know, it went down. And then I'm finding myself going, Lord, something's wrong. Something's wrong. What, what's wrong? Something's wrong. And that's about the time where I hit that first extended fast. And the Lord says, you need to fast. I didn't know what was wrong. I just knew I needed something. And the Holy Spirit says, you need to fast. I think he goes, he goes, I want you to fast for 40 days. I'm like, when he told me that, it was going from September into October. If y'all could have seen my calendar that particular year, I was like, Lord, this is a horrible time to fast. This is a terrible time to fast. Can you see how much stuff I'm going to be doing? I'm going to be out of town like three uh, weeks out of this. I'm going to be traveling somewhere. I'm coaching the soccer team. That so same soccer team, not only did they, they, the year before they had zero losses, the Lord showed me in wisdom how to coach them. That year we went from zero losses to making it all the way through the playoffs and into the championship game. We didn't win the championship game, but that's because our people were here and theirs were here. But it was, it was, it was, but we gave, we made them sweat. Glory to God. And uh, we made them sweat. They were, they really got flustered. It was awesome. It was a win for us. And uh, from zero wins to making the championship team sweat, right? And, and so what I'm saying is here, I, I'm out running with the kids 40 day fast. I, I get in the middle of practice and I'm like, God. I had zero energy left. I had to rely. I'm out of town. I'm doing this. My schedule was boom, 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 boom. I was like, this is a horrible time to fast. But the Lord said, he said, you want things to change? See, and, and what I didn't realize was there was already a hunger growing in me. I was more hungry for things to change than I was to have a simple schedule in the middle of that, right? I, I was like, no, this is when he told me to do it. Well, I didn't know the timing of it, but as soon as the fast end, I've talked about it before, but that next week, the week after the fast, I'm in a minister's conference and God just, I mean, the best way to say it is he had me and he just was ripping all this worldly junk off of me. I mean, you talk about perfect timing. Had I not been obedient, I would have probably missed that, right? And in the middle of that fast or at the end of it, actually it was during that week, it was, it was not while I was fasting. He said, now look, I just finished 
a 40-day fast. I just finished a 40-day fast, and he says, you're not hungry. Excuse me? I was real hungry just a day or two ago, you know. I was, but not only physically, but, I mean, I had lost 40, 45 pounds, and people were asking me if I was sick. I obviously was hungrier than people around me. That's not what he was talking about. He said, you're not hungry. Okay. Now, if he's telling me that, and I just finished 40-day fast, where is the majority of the church at in their hunger, according to God? So apparently we'll talk about humility tomorrow. This is hunger part four. Glory to God. We'll change the title later. Right. So, so here you, you're starting to see, let, remember what we're looking at. I don't want what the world calls good or great. I want what God calls normal. And when the Holy Spirit, and after the fast is saying, you're not hungry, I'm having to, now that takes some humility there. Talk about humility because it's like, what do you mean? I'm hungry, obviously. No, I was just hungrier. The, not, you know, the cream of the crop. I was the cream of the, with an A. I'll let y'all figure that out. Not cream of the crop with an O, but cream of the, with an A. All right? Because if, you see what I'm saying? Just that I rise above the average, yeah. that's not what God wants. Right. He wants me living in his normal. His normal. He's not calling me to be better than other people. He's calling me to be like Jesus. He's calling you, us, not to be better than other people, to be like Jesus. He's, he's not calling us just because I exceed a pitiful average. And that's what it is. Our hunger in the church in America has been pitiful. Just because I take that pitiful average and I take up one step above the average, what does that mean? Nothing in the, in the long-term eternal plan. I need to come on up to where God is. I need to get to the place where God is. And if I'm not getting up here, then I'm the one who's at fault. And so what I did was, I mean, it's obvious, you know, here's average, here's average hunger. I didn't even know, I didn't even know people that had done 40 day fast. I, I, I knew people, but I didn't know they had done it. I found out later, but for the most part, I didn't even, I, if you told me, do you know personally one person that's done a 40 day fast? I'd have to say no, cause I didn't know any. Now, afterwards I found out I did have a couple of friends that had done it, but I just wasn't aware of it. Right. But I step up to this place. It's obvious that God's touching me. It's obvious that things have changed and I'm feeling pretty good because I'm standing head and shoulders above most everybody else. I feel pretty good. I feel like a champion that I just, you know, completed something that I almost thought was impossible. Right. I felt good about the accomplishments. I get to this place and God says, 
you're not hungry. He doesn't even say, you know, you're, you need to get hungrier. He said, you're not hungry. And, and as he showed me, it was like, it, it, you're not, it was obvious that I was hungry, but he was saying, I'm barely touching the first rung. You know, you're not hungry enough, right? Would have been a different statement. And he kind of implied that as I continued going, you're still not hungry enough. But I said, man, I needed, I needed, uh, I needed some more hunger. I needed to be hungry after God. And, and I didn't realize just how much I wasn't. And that was the problem. That was what I was missing was that hunger. And again, I'll go back to it. We, we did this in the hunger before, right? You know, we're sitting here talking about hunger again. And people are going, you know, we've talked about this three times already. But the fact that we're looking at it wondering, you know, kind of proves our lack of hunger. I remember if you've heard uh, Pastor Rodney, uh, Rodney Howard Brown's story, he said he got to the place where he was so hungry for God, he was actually on a trip. He was on this bus and he was riding, I forget, a lot on the bus was a girl's college and he was there and they had gone to some uh, Christian event, I believe. And on the way back, uh, I think it was a Christian girl's college, on the way back, um, home he was riding and he said I just got so hungry for God and he was he said I just said Lord I need your fire I need your fire I need your and he started yelling it he started screaming it and he just said Lord I need your fire and uh, all of a sudden on that bus but he had been seeking the Lord like this for quite some time. All of a sudden on that bus, he said the fire of God hit him. He said everybody was slain in the spirit on the bus. He said years later, he found out that those girls at that college, they had so much of a touch from God. When they went back, uh, the revival broke out for a long time in that college based off of that one touch. But why did he get touched from God? Why did the fire of God visit him? Because he was hungry. And he wasn't giving up until, you know, it's kind of like I asked the, I asked the question, uh, might have said it yesterday, but I definitely did it when we were recording Connection the other day, is if God is who he says he is, where's this power? Where's this strength? Where's this reality of God? Where's healing? On, you know, where's supernatural? Where is this? Because either you look at this and you believe it or you just write it off as old antiquated stories. It's not antiquated stories. But if we don't have hunger enough to dive in here and get to know him, we probably won't ever see what we considered antiquated come into our reality today. But hunger will draw that thing out of there. Hunger. And I want you to see this too. When the Lord tells me you're not hungry, doesn't that take some humility on my part? Absolutely. Yeah, because as far as I'm concerned, I'm the hungriest person I know right now. That's the way, you know, if that's, a, that's just the truth of it. I, and when I got to the end of that fast, I'm like, Lord, I'm the hungriest person I know. And he says, you're not hungry. That takes humility. And the flesh, I mean, it's not that I didn't think it. I'm like, oh my, you know, it, you want, your flesh wants to go, 
Well, golly, I'm never going to be good enough. But see, your spirit, when you have a humble heart, all of a sudden, here's what your spirit does rightly. Here's what your spirit does. And if you have a humble, renewed mind, humility in your mind, your spirit goes, you mean there's more? You mean there's more? That's what your spirit does. Your flesh might go, oh, but your spirit goes, oh, you mean I'm not even hitting a ceiling yet? There's more out there. And if you have a renewed mind, you'll say, okay, I'm not hungry. I believe you. I believe you. I take you at your word. And here was my prayer. But I thought, this is crazy. I'm really hungry. But then I thought, no, he says, I'm not hungry. So I'm not hungry. All right, Lord, help me get hungry. And then he started saying this every single day, hunger and humility, hunger. Every day I'd wake up and some, some point in the day for like six months, almost hunger. And I'd hear it in my spirit, hunger and humility, hunger and humility, hunger and humility. Well, you know, what am I thinking? This was August 15th, I believe, when I came off that first fast. I mean, October 15th. So uh, think about that to the end of the year. Uh, you've got November 15th, December 15th, and then another half, and a, half a month. So I had two and a half months till the new year. In between that two and a half months, what happens? I just start going after the Lord in hunger. I, I just, Lord, I'm hungry for you. I'm hungry for you. I'm, I, I want you more. And then at the beginning of the new year, he says, I want boomerang to go into a fast. I'm, I'm less than three months removed from the 40 day fast. I'm still feeling, you know, I'm still feeling I was eating like crazy after that fast. And I still hadn't gotten back up to that other weight yet. I was eating like mad, you know, just and I still hadn't gotten up there because I just, you know, lost so much during that. And here he is. He says, I want you to go back into it. I want the church to and I want you to lead them. Well, that means I got to do it again. Are you hungry? I am hungry. Will it, will your flesh hurt? Probably so. Yeah, probably so. But I'm more hungry for you than I am that. I'm more hungry. Now, did I have to do a 40 day? No, I'm like, did I hear that right? You know, what'd you tell me to do? I did a more serious one. I did it even more serious the second one than I did the first one. It was like day two or three. I felt the effects from the first one. I was already day two or three like, oh, you know, feeling haggard at times. And yet I said, that's when I started drawing on that supernatural strength, drawing on that supernatural strength. Why? Because I was hungry for the things of God. Not only that, but I need to lead hunger, which is why you're hearing about it now. And so here's, here's Pastor Rodney. He's hungry for the things of God and he's pulling and drawing on the things of God. And, and uh, what happens? It, it, up till that point, it's an antiquated story. But all of a sudden, when hunger's produced, God, he finds what he's looking for, Right. Pastor Rodney finds what he's looking for because that hunger starts to draw. God says, uh, you can't remain hungry going after me. I'm going to fill you. You can't stay there. You can't stay there. I'm going to fill you. 
You know, there's something about hunger that demands God to move on our lives. There's something about hunger that demands, puts a demand on who God is, on his character, his nature, on his promise that demands that he move in your life. Amen. So then uh, y'all, y'all may remember uh, Richard and Rhonda Moore. They came to the church and he was, you can watch it, it's on Connection Show. But uh, he was talking about this story. And so Richard and uh, Richard and Pastor Rodney and Adonica all meet uh, up. I think it was at Ramah. And uh, so they all meet up. They become good friends years and years ago. All of a sudden, uh, Rodney's moving in this touch of God. And Richard says, I want to, I want that. And so he, he and Rhonda basically drop what they're doing. And they just follow, they follow Rodney all around the, all around the country. So here's what they're doing. They don't have a job. He says, I'm following you to help you. What is that? That's hunger. I'm going to pay whatever price it takes. You don't have a job. Pastor Rodney said, I don't have money to pay you a full salary. I don't have money. He said, I think he gave him like $100 a week at that time. But Pastor Rodney was doing these meetings all over, you know. But he said, I don't care. I need to be there. And he started traveling on his own dime. He's traveling all around the country in these meetings with Pastor Rodney. He's in these meetings. And, and all of a sudden, I mean, that's hungry. How does that compare to the average person? Most, per, most people, if God even put a draw on them to do something else, or, you know, drop their job and go chase God, go to revival meetings. That's hunger. Is, isn't that a lot more hunger than most people have? Yeah. But then you look, there, there's people that need answers in their life live right there. And they won't walk 300 feet. What is that? It's apathy. It's a lack of hunger. That's our society in America. And the reason is a lot because that's been the attitude in the church. No hunger for God. None. If, I, I said it the other week. If we were hungry for God, this place would be full. Every, we, we would not be able to fit all the people, but we're not a hungry people. We're not hungry for the things of God. And what does that tell us? That tells us that we truly do not know what our source is. This society does not know where their blessings come from. And that's part of our job, to let the blessings flow through us, to put on faith, put on hunger, put on humility, that the blessings won't be just a story, but it'll be a reality to us so that we can show those things. And then Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, when we give ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, then we will prove and we, you know, we have our minds transformed. We will prove that God's will is perfect, good, perfect and acceptable. Right. And so what he's saying is, as we will go after him and we will put on faith and hunger and humility, all of a sudden we'll start to move into the areas that will start to preach to people. Man, they're living it. I want what they have. I want what they have. 
right? And so then one of the things that's important here is look at Richard. Richard is hungrier than most everybody around him. But he's just not getting the fire. He's not getting the fire. It's not coming. I mean, he's being blessed and God's taking care of his needs. But think about that. If somebody asks asks you to stop what you're doing, go on the road, and a lot of times that's not what God's calling most people to do. Most people, he's just calling them to commit fully to where they're planted in the church. That's what most most people have from God. I planted you really in in a body, and that then determines your location. See, we've got this backwards. A lot of times is where my job is, that's where my home is. No, 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 no. Where you're planted in the body of Christ is where your home is. And people don't see that because they're not hungry to even get in here and research it and seek it out. But most people, God's just saying, commit to your church. But what is the major issue that we have in most churches? One of the biggest ones, no volunteers or the ones that we have, they're limited. Shouldn't the volunteers be overflowing to partner up with the things of God? Absolutely. But why aren't they? No hunger. No hunger. That's really the root of it. I mean, we ought to, uh, Priscilla answering the, the phone here, she ought to be beating people back. I, I would love to have you come and clean, but we've already got way too many. I would love to have you help in the nursery, but we have too many already. That would be the way it's supposed to be. No, we've got too many. Glory to God. Isn't that the overflow? God's way is overflow. That tells us right there, there's a whole bunch of people that don't listen. I'm I'm kind of being real here, but glory to God. Amen. So here's the other thing. So here's Richard. He's exceeding the hunger of everybody around him. But it's like he's just not getting the fire. He's been traveling with them. I don't know the exact amount of time, but time passed. He's traveling with them. He's not getting the fire. He goes to Pastor Rodney and goes, what's the deal? Like, why am I not getting the fire? You know what Pastor Rodney tells him? (laughs) You're not hungry enough. (laughs) You're not hungry enough. Well, what was he facing? The same thing I was facing. Kind of, you know, our flesh is like, are you kidding me? But see, it's one of those things that when you finally get there, you realize, wow, he was right. When you finally get to that place of proper godly hunger, you'll go, wow, he was right. It's like when God told me you're not hungry. And my first response was, are you kidding me? My flesh response but my humility response was, okay. So I just ask him, what a humility, it allows me then to start pulling on, it allows me to start pulling on God's resources to help bring up the lack, bring me out of that lack. Was I doing that before? No. I thought I was hungry. I thought I had everything where I needed to be. But when he, when he said, you're hungry, it exposed lack that I didn't know was there. That's where the power of humility comes in. Humility will let you see the problems that you actually have so that you can pull on God to fill them. That's good teaching right there. So then, then all of a sudden, thank you, Father, for that teaching. That's not me. 
So then all of a sudden, Pastor Rodney says, you need to get hungry. Just like the Lord told me, you're not hungry. So what do we do? Okay, Lord. <laughs> Great. <laughs> awesome. Um, help me be hungry. Help me go after your hunger. Show me what to do. And the Lord, you know, basically said, you need to start focusing on how good I am and what I call normal. He said, you need to start, you need, and then he told me, see, in my hunger, in the second fast, in my hunger, he says, you need fresh fire. In my hunger, my hunger helped to clear off and see the prize. I need fresh fire. My hunger helped to clear it off. Had I not been hungry, I would have never been searching for it. But because I was hungry, I was searching and found it. Right? When you seek after God, you will find. He will be found by you. But hunger is a part of that seeking. You're not going to seek if you're not hungry. And so Richard found the same thing. He found that he wasn't as hungry as what he thought he was. He was rating hunger according to the world, just like I was, instead of rating it on God's standards. And he had revelation, just like I did, that we need more hunger. And so he started going, and sure enough, guess what came? The fire of God came. When I started hunger after God, guess what happened? The fire came. And guess what? I'm, I'm believing for more right now. I want more fire than I've ever had. I want, I want the fire of God to be so overflowing that there is no question whether or not you're leaving here healed. There's no question whether or not that provision would happen. But see, not only that, but if, I, you know, if I'm hungry and all of a sudden I'm carrying this hunger and this fire and I come and I get next to somebody, what happens to them? They start getting the fire and the hunger too. And then I come around and, I, and they get hungry and that fire starts catching on them and that fire starts catching on them. And that's the way it works. Even me talking right now today, something's building up inside of you simply because I'm talking about what I experienced, right? And you, you start to grab a hold of this thing. We need the hunger of God. We need the hunger. But along with that hunger is humility. And so here's this, you know, hunger. And, and in that hunger, I go into a second extended fast. He tells me, you need fresh fire. He shows me exactly what I need. God is so faithful. And not only that, but he empowered me through the hunger. You know, what I needed to do to get hungry was basically I needed to look at who he is and how good he is and what is his normal. And I needed to see that I'm not walking in that. I needed to focus on his goodness and his love some more and the overflowing nature of it and realize I haven't been walking in that. There's more out there. And when I saw that there was more that I wasn't touching, what did that produce inside of me? Hunger. Hunger. Give me that. Come out right. Get it here, right? Produce hunger. Not only that, but I, I, one of the things that he, you know, ministered to me before I even went into the second fast was stop feeding on stuff that's not me. So I turned the TV off for a year. Pretty much none. The only thing I watched was something if God told me I could watch it every, and that was only like two or three things, right? And that's that he told me I could watch it. Stop scrolling on Facebook. Wasting time, putting in a bunch of people's thoughts instead of God's thoughts. Spend time with him. Stop feeding on things that are not him and keep looking to who he really is and what he wants to do and look at his normal. 
And this all of a sudden hunger developed. Of course, it stems out of fellowship with him. You know, spirit-led prayer, spirit-led word, spirit-led worship. You know, it stems out of that fellowship with him. Amen. Amen. So let's just pray for that hunger. I just pray right now, Lord, open our eyes to our real place in terms of humility. Open our eyes right now in terms of humility and hunger. Open our eyes, Father, right now to where we really are. Are we as hungry as we think we are? I know right now the answer is no to that for all of us, including me. So, Lord, help us see where we're really, where we're really at in our hunger. Help us see, Lord, our need to not only recognize that, but also to humble ourselves to receive it. Thank you, Father. Lord, I just ask that you will draw hunger. You are such a good God, Father. You're, Father, you are such a good God. You are such a loving Father. Such a loving Father. You desire to do good things. You desire to do great, great things. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Turn to um, Ephesians chapter 1. This is, this is going to build our hunger. Ephesians chapter 1, and we'll start at uh, verse uh, 15. Before we go there, um, you don't have to turn here, but let me, this is 1 Corinthians 2, 9. It says, and here's what I want to do to go into hunger. I just want us to see some of the things that God's laid out for us. What's the depth of that? And so this is 1 Corinthians 2, 2 9. It says, uh, but just as it is written, things which I has not seen and ear has not heard and have not entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared. For those who love him. For to us God revealed them. Verse 10. For to us God revealed them. Through the spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Even the depths of God. The spirit searches even the depths of God. So this is not something that you get. You know, in terms of hunger, you're not going to get it just by mentally thinking on it. This is something that comes in by the Spirit. The Spirit reveals the depths of God, right? The Spirit reveals. That's why we're praying over it, is that we need God. He's saying, look, you haven't even begun to imagine all the stuff that God has planned for you. Doesn't that make you hungry for those things? 
Well, that hunger, now you need to transfer it to spending time with him and going after him. And let's look at this in Ephesians. Uh, when Paul's talking to this church, it, it's beautiful what he says. One uh, fifteen. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks to you while making mention of you in my prayers. So now what we have is we have Paul praying over the church at Ephesus, but we also have that this is scripture and all scripture is inspired by God, right? So who's praying here? The Holy Spirit, because we know that this passage is not incorrect. It's not making an example of something else. This is a legitimate prayer given by the Holy Spirit to the church. So let's look at what the Holy Spirit prays over us through Paul. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you, say give to me, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. In other words, the core of who you are will get some revelation, yeah. get some illumination. And what about? What is he wanting to be illumined? So that you will know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. In other words, you have an inheritance and it is are the riches of God's glory. Do you think that you're seeing the fullness of the riches of his glory in your life? Not yet. Not yet. But we're going to we're heading there right right fast. He's saying I'm praying that your eyes will be open to this. And He's still praying what your eyes will be open to, that you will uh, be illuminated, basically, to what is the surpassing greatness. Wouldn't it be cool if he just said greatness? What is the greatness of his power toward us who believe? But he didn't just say greatness. He said greatness and then go past that. Go beyond that. He said, I'm praying that your eyes will be open to not just the greatness, but the surpassing greatness of his power, not your power, his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance. In other words, these are here and because of in accordance with the working of the strength of your might. No, the strength of his might. So this is not our power. This is his power, his power, which and what kind of power are we talking about? Resurrection power, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So you're talking about now that Paul says the surpassing greatness of his power in us. Right. Which is according to. Or it was by the same power that when Jesus was dead in the tomb, body gone in hell, when Jesus was there, that same power that the Holy Spirit came up and said, whoa, and brought him back to life. He said that power is in us, not pastor, us, yep. us, right? 
us. He brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. So listen, this power didn't just stop when Jesus came back to life. It stopped. The beginning and the end of it was where he was brought back to life and he was seated in heavenly places. This is not only power, but authority. And it's in us, not according to our might, but his might. And Paul's saying, I pray that your eyes will be open to it. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. We were in chapter two, it says we were raised up with him. Look at look at chapter two. Verse four. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches And the first chapter was surpassing riches of his glory, of his power. And here is surpassing riches now of his grace in kindness towards us. He goes on to say we're his workmanship. In other words, he created us to be able to handle this. Now go to uh, chapter 3 and verse 14. Paul again praying, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the church. He's talking to you. Say, he's talking to me. That he would grant you according, well, when you go into your prayer closet, it'd be good to read this and say that he would grant me. According to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in the inner man. Now, the riches of his glory. All right. So let's take a look at Old Testament glory. Let's look at the power of his glory for just a second. It's one o'clock, y'all. Let's look at it, but real quick and I'll wrap up so we can go back to work. But. Work smirk, you know. Anyway, um, what happened in his glory? In the Old Testament, his glory comes down, has the fire, right? He says, he says to Moses, Moses says, show me your glory. What an awesome thing. The Lord said, I can't. You'll die. He says, but what I will do is I'll hide you in this protected place in the cleft of the rock. And it's talking about Jesus for a future time. He's saying, I'll put you in the rock and then you'll be able to see my glory. And he said, I will cause uh, the back part of me to pass before you. You can't see the front, but you'll be able to see the passing glory. But in Jesus, we can step into all of it. But look what happened now. The, what happened when his glory comes down? Man, the mountains shaking, the fire, all the people of Israel down in the valley, like, oh, Moses dead, right? <laughs> they're, they're like, right? But here, now all of a sudden, Moses comes down. 
And people are scared. Why? Because he's lit up like a light bulb. Had to put the veil on because people were scared of the glory, right? That's Old Testament. We should be seeing that stuff on a regular basis, hearing stories of it. It is, it is happening. It's just not as often as it needs to be. I want, I, I'm, I want that glory on me. Show me your glory, Lord. Glory to God. Now look, and then in the New Testament, what happens? New Testament glory. They're up on the Mount of Transfiguration. The glory that was in Jesus, he removed the flesh veil for a second, and they saw his glory as he truly is. What happened? They all got knocked out. His glory. This is what he's talking about. What happened in the glory in that grave? Boom! Back up to life. That he would grant you according to the rich of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being ground, rooted and grounded in love. Now watch what, right here what it says. That you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. And to know the love of God which surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled up. This is what Paul's praying by the Holy Spirit. That we may be filled up with the fullness of God. That we'll be filled up with his fullness. Of God. That means God comes and fills you with himself. And Paul's saying this is what's supposed to happen. You're supposed to be walking in this. This is supposed to be normal and real. What kind of glory are we talking about? We're talking about the kind of glory that, that goes out like this. And you walk by somebody and they go, boom, healed. Boom, delivered. Boom, provision. Healed, strengthened, on fire. And all I did was walk by them. That's the glory that we're talking about. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly. Beyond all that we can ask or think according to the power that works within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Does that make you hungry for more of God? Can you see there's more out there that we haven't been tapping into? We've been scratching the surface, but we're not there yet. Oh, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. But we're hungry for it. Lord, open our eyes of understanding according to your word in Jesus' name. Show us more and more of the fullness that you have planned and prepared for us, Lord. And Father, we just rebuke hunger for the things of the world. We reject it. We renounce it. We are only hungry for you. Thank you, Father. We are hungry for you. 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 Lord, we're hungry for you. We're hungry for you. We're hungry for you. I'm going to tell you, when you're seeking to be hungry, don't just get in the car and turn the radio on. 
Don't just get in the, definitely don't listen to a secular, and you really should, probably shouldn't even be listening to the, most of the worship channels, honestly. Because here's the thing, it goes back to you're going you're gonna to start to get like the people that you hang around. And there's a whole lot of people that wear the Christian name tag. They ain't got any more hunger or humility than a lost person does. Yep. And a lot of them make good music. Yeah. I'm telling the truth. Yep. A lot of people make good music, but they don't have any hunger for the Lord. Or they have one good song because they got hungry a little bit one time. God blessed that one, but they didn't stay hungry. And the rest of it, we like the one, but then, we, then they move and they're not hungry and there's no anointing, there's no fire on the rest of their music. And we like them because we like that one song. Look, don't just turn the radio on. Spend time with God. Spend time with God. Don't just turn the TV on. Don't just flip on Facebook. Spend time with God. Get hungry. It's in Him we live and move and have our being. It's in Him. Father, we thank you for showing us these areas that will keep us hungry and will drive us to go after you in our hunger. And Lord, we will be diligent and you will reward us. You will be the rewarder. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We just, I thank y'all for being here. Thank y'all for watching online. If you'd like to give, there should be a link for you to give online. If y'all would like to give while you're here, you can drop it in the basket after we dismiss. Whatever you give, Father, right now we receive that as a part of their heart, love, and life given to you in love, Lord, not under compulsion, but because they love you. Lord, we receive that seed. Let it now be multiplied and let it be uh, watered, Lord, and fertilized and multiply back to them into their lives. May it be pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here and joining us again. We love you. Have a great day. Bye-bye.